I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. Come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. Two, one, and we are live. So it's a little rough out there, John. <laughs> tell me, tell me about that, James. I'm just, I'm like, it's, it's. Everyone's trying to get together for the holidays. Of course, we've gone through now almost two years of this thing, and mm-hmm. it's, I, my family came out, but then they had to leave pretty quickly because I, I got the vid. I, I got it. Oh yeah, yeah. So about two days before, my family had to head back out to Iowa. Um, they had to head out early because, like, I was sick, and like, we don't want to get anybody else sick. But, it, but they they got sick all the same. This thing is just spreading, and you know, even though I am, no, I'm not doing it. I was trying. <laughs> I could feel myself. I was like, nope, not there. You're don't. not going to make the Omicron variant our cold open. No, I couldn't do it. I was like, I could make a horrible joke right now. The joke was going to be like, even though it's because I couldn't turn it positive. That's the yeah, thing. Like yeah, I can't. Yeah. It's got because I because I want to have a positive reading of this. Spoilers. I'm a big fan of this, but um, yeah. Uh, no, that's not the. That's not. It. I just need to get that out the system. I need to get get ready. Gonna get into it. Gonna get ready for it. Um, oh boy, trying to think of something pop culture that's uplifting and not depressing as all hell. And there's not much out there right now, man. Everybody's kind of stepping in it or saying the stupid things and all that stuff like it's, it's pretty wild i mean you do have boba fett out here really making the world a safe space for the dad bod i mean he is owning the dad bod in that like not only like they were hiding it in the first one so i i get the feeling watching now the first uh appearance in the second season of mandalorian i get the feeling that boba fett was like not ready <laughs> to be boba fett and now prequel Boba Fett has been drafted into some real Boba Fett stuff and sorry Jango Fett is now is now really becoming Boba Fett and he's like okay if I'm doing this I'm gonna make this my Boba Fett I'm gonna lay in a lot of my own type of character into it and he's going at it in a completely different way that I think a lot of people would have gone with Boba Fett's like 
backstory of like getting out the Sarlacc pit mm-hmm. and everything like that. He's like, it's it's a completely unique Boba Fett that we're getting this time, and an amazing Boba Fett, just like this version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Welcome to Jacob Marley is Dead, oh. a podcast where we uh, talk about Boba Fett's daring escape from the bowels of the Sarlacc. But we also talk about a Christmas Carol. I am your host, John. And I'm his sidekick, Jimmy and John. I don't know if I can keep going with these cold opens, man. They're they're getting hard. (laughs) It's getting hard to pull these ones together and pull them out of. Well, you know. Anyway, so let's keep moving on. How you doing, buddy? I am. I'm well, James. I'm well. They uh, they they kind of decided to go virtual this week. Coming back from Christmas break, and then we're going virtual for another week. So I've been sitting, staring at a screen, talking into this microphone uh, for more than just my hobby this week. It's been interesting. So you're saying that this is like your life now? Like this is... Uh, Yeah, I've spent the majority of my day basically doing this. (sighs) Well, I mean, that's not great. (laughs) But But on the other hand, it's the safe option. And it's, it's true. It's tough, though, for parents out there. I know everybody's, you know, dealing with this and this is a weird I mean, I'm dealing with it uh, right now in a big way. And so life is hard. This I mean, it's hard for a lot of us right now. So, you know, uh, not to go on mushy, but like I, we need things like this podcast, like just for you and me. I, I mean, not even if anybody else listens to it, but like you we need this safe space to do just to come together be happy, joke, make you you know, just be us. And if anybody is able to listen to this right now and get something out of it in a positive light and really like it helps them, it makes this whole thing worth doing and this makes this past year worth doing it, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Well, and what what better um what better Christmas Carol to be entering into at this point than to return to the warm, cozy, nostalgic blanket that is the Muppet Christmas Carol? Thank God for the Muppets. Thank God for the Muppets. And these are, and like we're saying, this is like 1992 Muppets. Like this is peak Muppets, as peak as you could get, right? Like as peak as you could get under the circumstances of like we talked about last episode, this is the first major project after the death of Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. That wasn't just like a special or a ride or something. Like this is big time Muppets, and I'm ready to get back into it, John. And uh, let's uh, let's do it to it, man. Yeah, let's absolutely do it. This is Jacob Marley is dead, and we're continuing our discussion about Michael Caine in the Muppet Christmas Carol. In those ships, all three on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, and what was in those ships, all three on Christmas Day in the morning? I got a boss vibe going right now. I'm gonna be like Bruce by the end of this dang thing. <laughs> Someone give me an encore of Rosalina stat. I'm gonna need it. <laughs> Well, uh, when we last left Scrooge, he, uh, depending on the version you were watching, either sang a song or just looked really sad uh, and then returned to his bedroom 
after mm-hmm. seeing the ghost of Christmas past. And it's not a super long gap between that and the start of the ghost of Christmas present. No, I mean, this movie moves pretty quickly. I mean, once it gets going, it's only what an hour and 30 minutes or so. If that, yeah, it's it's a really, really tight turnaround. So like, look, this was originally going to be a TV special and we add commercials in there. And who knows what else could have been you know, given to it for a TV special. Mm-hmm. But like, that's a two hour special at that runtime, you know, somewhere in there. So yeah, they're moving quickly. Like the Mickey Mouse one, they're they're getting through this quickly as best as they can. And um, we don't have any downtime in between one ghost to another. Yeah. Um, and this ghost. So we we get like the mirthful chuckle. I, this is the most the most Santa Claus laugh we've had from the ghost of Christmas present. I think out of any version that we've watched so far. Well, look, you, this is the ghost, the ghost of Christmas present. And here's the thing. These are all three spoilers for the next ghost. All three original designs. Right. This is the only one that can really be like a Muppet, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't go Muppet with the Ghost of Christmas Pass. Obviously, they didn't. They went with something very unique and almost like a one-off. Like yeah. I've never seen anything quite like that since. And then with what we get to in the future, you can't make you can't make googly Muppet eyes for that thing. That that just would be out of place. The Ghost right. of Christmas Future. So like they're getting all the Muppetness out of this one and also it fits in with the reality that scrooge lives in we talked about last time how scrooge is one of like three four humans in this movie four or five humans at most not to mention the, the background characters they're they're yeah. peppered in there but this is a muppet world so i think this ghost is appropriate yeah so he is um well scrooge opens the door right and we get we get a kind of a uh a glimpse of all like the 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 cakes and pies and fruits and meats and you know the whole the whole feast bit and then the ghost is very large i mean this is definitely at least starts off as the the well i guess not the biggest because mickey's christmas carol exists but next to mickey's christmas carol probably the biggest he has to like bend down to look through the door Mm -hmm. and he's one of those big like sweetums like one of those big full body like big bird type Muppets, like a mascot type of uh, character. Basically think of your head of like the Philly fanatic or Mr. Met, but like think of those types of characters go Phillies anyway. But like you, you have like, that's what you're thinking of here. Like a full body costume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. So they, they've added some characterizations of this guy. He's very forgetful, right? So because he like basically tells Scrooge that he's the ghost of Christmas present like three or four times and and uh, he repeats himself several times. Scrooge makes mention of it, which is definitely just a totally unique thing. Like this is not anywhere in the original text at all. Mm -hmm. But the idea being his realm is the present. Like he's always living in the moment. He doesn't really think about the past. He doesn't think about the future. He's in the here and now. It's an interesting choice. It's, you know, we talk about sometimes actors making choices. Script writers, screenplays can make those choices too. And this is, yeah. it's a pretty solid choice for the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah, it makes him a little bit more like bumbling and, and uh, jokey, I think, than the ghost of Christmas present usually is. Which I will say, I would have liked a little bit more bite from the ghost looking back on this one. Um, there's not enough snap back which would have been great if the entire first half of the ghost you get the one side this side of the ghost but spoilers for the later part of the scene we really never get 
the backhand of the ghost of Christmas present. And um, that might be one of the weakest points of this movie. Yeah. And this is, I would say much like Scrooge, the Albert Finney musical. The focus on this is the enjoyment of the season, which I do think is kind of the bent of a Muppet Christmas Carol. Like Muppet Christmas Carol is not really here to present us with the plight of the working class man and how the 1% needs to step up to do their part. It's Scrooge needs to stop being grumpy and enjoy life and the holiday. And that's it's look, it's in the, the thing is that argument is in there as much as it is in say a Muppets Christmas Carol. You could even argue Mm -hmm. it's in there a little bit more on little things here and there, not much, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's salt and peppered in there. But the thing is, this is a much longer feature. So I feel like you, for some people, I think this is where you've been coming from, John. You want there to be more in there because of of how much is given to it, right? And this is definitely one spot where it's, I think this is a totally valid argument. There should be a lot more given to the Ghost of Christmas Present in the sense of, being compatible with scrooge he is not here at all he is all about the season he's in it he's almost oblivious to scrooge in in some respects even though of course he's narrating him through his life he's just kind of like it's kind of almost like how the ghost of christmas past is sometimes presented in a sense of like the passivity you mean yeah, yeah like just like that like it's which is not a strong choice. So let, let's get into this a little bit because I do like I, I have kind of like a, a little mini thesis, I feel like, on this character in this moment and why I think this is the section of the film that that makes me struggle with a Muppet Christmas Carol from a critical perspective. Right. It's obviously a great movie, but this is this is the part. So um, what we get is uh, he, they kind of Star Trek teleporter into the streets of London and the ghost sings this song it feels like Christmas which I would say musically is like a high point of this movie it's in the singing of a street corner choir it's going home and getting warm by the fire it's true wherever you find love it feels like Christmas a cup of kindness that we share with another a sweet reunion with a friend or a brother in all the places you find love it feels like Christmas it has a really good score of music like just instrumentally like you're saying like it's but the lyrics are they're good i think there's there's there there are very great moments Mm -hmm. and what it's connecting to visually bump up the lyrics but i think you're i think what you're going towards is right yeah so what we see during this scene it feels like christmas is like um this is basically standing in in the place of Scrooge and the spirit going through the markets and seeing the buying and selling and like the lighthouse and the ship out at sea and the prisoners and the coal miners. Like all we're getting is just sort of this same street in London with the same characters that we saw in the opening number. And what's happening is the spirit is talking about like Christmas is uh the season of giving and it's like the feeling of giving a gift to someone else and it's the feeling of like being warm by a fire with people that you love and it's it's that very like hallmarky feel good christmas kind of song mm-hmm. right yeah and i would also say that with it though it it gives that feeling like you're saying like hallmark right but it also 
does that better than Hallmark ever did. Oh, yeah. Like, this is like, it's not the highest of brow, to use an outdated term, right? But, like, it is pretty darn quality. Like, like Pixar-esque, I would say, almost. Yeah, and and I think what it does well is it presents a it presents like an argument for like what it is that is true, but the heart of the season that the generosity and the giving, and you're seeing a lot of like uh, on this one day, like the policemen and the prisoners get along, which is a little little problematic in 2021, but you know we'll we'll take it. Uh, what, what would you rather have be happening there, John? Sure, like this. Sure. Is- <laughs> let's let's take what we got here okay yeah um so i think the thing that that bothers me right and this is when when i talked in the last episode about michael kane's arc feeling really weak it's this moment because what basically happens in this song is scrooge is convinced that there is some merit to the season of christmas and that that's kind of what happens in the original text i think but his turnaround at the end of this is like he basically says to the spirit at the end of the song, I had no idea this is what Christmas is about. I want to see everything about Christmas. And I'm like, slow your roll, chief. The Grinch's heart doesn't have to grow three sizes until the end of the story. I think, though, I don't hate it. And here's, here's why. He's going around and he's seeing things all throughout this scene. He's seeing mm-hmm. the, 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 the poor mouse family living in the mm-hmm. wall, right? Uh, a pair of socks knitting by your mother or whatever the line is there. Like, yeah. it's like, that's, that's my favorite part of that song, by the way. Like the little mice, the mice in general don't get up play. Ironically, th- these mice are amazing. Where did they get them? Oh my gosh. That's what we should do. We should put it. We shouldn't actually have animated mice. We should have Muppet mice. Muppet mice on ice. Touring the country this season. We, we get the mice. We get a little skates. We get them on there. Now, wait, wait. Can we have Muppets on ice? They don't have lights. All right. Get Henson. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Had to get in there one last time. Had yeah. to get in there one last time. Yeah. A little curtain call for the Hollywood producer guy. Yeah. You know, it's it's the end of an error. Like, you know, we'll, I'm not saying you'll never hear that guy again, but wow, man. Been a ride, folks. Been a hell of a ride. <laughs> I'm not well right now, John. Well, so you're, you're right that he's so he's seeing all these things and it's kind of like softening his heart a little bit. I just think that Michael Caine started this movie screaming and throwing things and it has taken him one spirit and a song to be like a super nice guy who's excited about Christmas. And I'm just like, it's happening too fast. And maybe I'm just spoiled because George C. Scott was like right up until the very last moment. And he was, like, amazing. Like, you just saw, like, one of the best Scrooges ever right before you saw something else. So, like, some recency bias might be a thing there. Sure. But I think also, John, though, like, he's telling a different arc for Scrooge in this one. Mm -hmm. So he sees the greatness of the season, right? But he hasn't seen how he is not yet welcomed in it. Mm. That's actually a very good take. He's not welcomed in the season. Yeah. Did you hear the town at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. They hate him. And with what's about to happen, he's shown that his actions have affected his ability to be a part of the season. Dang, that's a very good read that I didn't really think about. 
that's how I've always, in- and that's actually how I've always interpreted it. Yeah. Since I, since I was a kid, I was like, okay, Christmas is freaking awesome. He's seen good deeds done. He sees that there is merit to the season, but then with what happens next. But he's made himself an outsider. He can't be a yeah. part of it. He's not okay. welcomed in this world. So we go to the Fred scene first, which I thought was interesting because it's usually the second thing. But uh, to, and to your point, they get right to the game in this Fred scene. It lacks one thing. We don't get the speech. Yeah. But that's for a reason, because we we now get the game, the best version of the game in any adaptation. OK, again, the speech is not there, but we do get the. What is the official name for the game they call yes this? Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. We get the best version. It's, it's 20 questions, basically. 20, but it's awesome. And Fred has this little smirk on his face. Yeah, Fred's, Fred Fred is kind of a, a douchebag in this version. Like, he's they're just mean. Right. But and, I, and Michael Caine looks like legitimately hurt, like he's about to cry. He really, really is impacted by this very yeah, strongly. Yeah, so they do the game, and Fred's there, his the company with mixed with like humans and mostly Muppets, actually, right? It's again mostly Muppets. And then Fred's wife gets like the not the this, that, or thing. It's Ebenezer Scrooge, and there's oh, this yeah, break of fall. Like an, an unwanted creature, but not a rat or a cat or a bat or whatever. And then it's Ebenezer Scrooge. And then there's no like, we don't get the turn where Fred is like, oh, like it's all in good fun. I'm going to keep inviting him. They just are like, <laughs> that jerk. Let's, let's do this at his expense, the end. And that's it. And the spirit's like, all right, we got to go. But he's earned that. That's the problem. Like we, I'm not saying anybody in particular, but sometimes in families or life, you have people that you have to interact with that nobody likes. Yeah, and I hate that, and I don't like it because I, I'm sure I'm that for somebody. We're all that for somebody in our lives, where somebody will say something behind our backs, and this is real. This is what people really do to to each other, and it's raw and it's mean. But what it does here is it teaches a lesson not only to Scrooge, but to the kids watching it. Do you think it it undermines Fred's like general goodness as a character? Because he's kind of like the spirit of Christmas, right? Like he represents like what good celebrating the holiday can do for someone. So to see him being just petty without any redemptive moment feels a little harsh to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Surprisingly harsh for this version that has pulled its punches in a lot of ways. But that's always been there in Muppets. Like there's always been a little bit of a bite in in the Muppet uh, material. Like there's more... There's more of that than in, say, other children media. Even as colorful as the Muppets can be, you get these moments sometimes that just will tear your heart out. Look at the 1980s Christmas special that they did back then with the toys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not, we don't even got time to get into it, but like that, talk about depressing Christmas story. Like, they've got, they're not above that. And also, Fred already did his redemptive thing. He said what he said earlier, but people can say a lot of things in public. It's your actions that matter and that's what scrooge will do later yeah so it's a really quick scene they, they basically just played the game there's a couple of interesting puppets here there's like like a frog monster thing which i'm sure some muppet fan is going to come at me like you don't know so but like i don't i don't there, know who it was just go watch on youtube there's like 50 channels hard and you'll be fine okay yeah 
I'm sorry, I've been watching a podcast recently where they've been using this voice, and it's just, it's contagious all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then they go to Bob's house, and um, I, Miss Piggy is like, w- might be one of my top ten favorite, like, characters in anything ever. It is always like a um, whenever Miss Piggy enters a Muppet movie, I feel like the the quality comes up by like five or ten percent just she, by her being there. She's a star. Yeah. She she's the main event. You're what she's what you pay to see. Right. Yeah. And she's the sizzle because she, she takes everything up a little bit more. And her as Mrs. Cratchit. Dynamite. Sl- so slam good. dunk. Slam dunk. Yeah. Duck. Besides, of course, that with that, you already have naturally gotten uh, Kermit as Bob, right? Right. But getting Miss Piggy as Mrs. Cratchit, oh, she adds so much to the character. That, oh, no, so that adds. Elevates what already was there for the character to 11, and it's amazing. Yeah, there, there's this, like, alchemy that happens when you have, <gasps> like, when you have an easygoing, kind, everyman like Kermit. As your Bob Cratchit, and then you have like the the hot tempered kind of a pistol Miss Piggy mm-hmm. as Mrs. Cratchit, and it blends so seamlessly with their dynamic in the original text, where like Mrs. Cratchit does have a little bit more of an edge than Bob, right? Bob's a little bit more of a pushover, right? It's so good. It's right in there with what we'll get to in a minute with the speech. Like it's it's perfect. And speaking of perfect, we have the Cratchit family, which is. Yeah amazing we have the best daughter joke in maybe the history of these movies like it's the most winking at the audience possible right when she can't remember their names yeah 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 uh and then we have um what, what's the name of the other son of course not uh who we'll meet in a second oh, it's P- peter is the the older son and he's he's turning the, turning goose. the goose yeah they're, they're all given something here which is yeah. kind of great which we rarely get with the Cratchits. Like, you might get a little bit of help with Tiny Tim, but they all get a beat here. And it makes this one of my favorite Cratchit families. This is awesome. It's so good. The uh, Frank Oz, can we just talk about how good Frank Oz is? John, like, do, you want, do you want to announce that the next podcast is all just about Frank Oz? Because I'm here <laughs> all day for that. Literally just the characters. We just watch Frank Oz. And Frank stuff. Oz cameos. Frank Oz movies. Frank Oz interviews. Frank Oz is... I love Frank Oz. He, that man doesn't care. Except for he cares so much. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like He'll say what he wants to say. But that's because his heart loves the material so much that he cares so much you know that's what i mean there oh my gosh he has an acting moment in this scene as miss piggy where she's looking in the mirror and i don't remember what what i don't remember what i I got the whole scene memorized i got the whole scene memorized the goose smells great mother it does doesn't it it's so good it's so good and everything about like the emotion that he's able to give to that inanimate object with his voice and the way that he uses his hand to move her face is stunning. It's the, so good. The layering, the layering of that line, Sean. Like yeah. everything. Oh, I. This is not Muppet Christmas Carol minute yet, so we're gonna move on. But I could talk about that for a long, long, long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And and then it's followed up with, um, 
Uh, there's like some like silly business where like Rizzo falls down the chimney and lands on the goose and it's like, oh, look, we can make Rizzo dance on the goose. And it's like, cool. That's great. It's a good it's another one of those bits where what can the Muppets do this time? Yeah, it's a stunt. It's a we're doing a magic trick. We're pulling it off. Maybe it's not the best looking thing ever, but it's a good enough. And we're on board for it. But it is it's a great shot just in terms of like the technical element. And it is then almost immediately one-upped by the best shot in the movie, which is Kermit walking home with Robin on his shoulder doing the Christmas scat. So what what it looks like, it it looks like they have a a roller Mm -hmm. underneath him, right? So he's just stepping in place and they're like rolling the ground and then they're slowly pulling back the houses in the background. And I don't know what you're talking about, John, because to me, what it looked like was just a frog walking down the street. Yeah, it is it's so- it's so unbelievable how good it looks. And it has aged amazingly, mm-hmm. right? It's the best looking special effect probably in the movie. Yeah, it's because- one of those special effects where when you watch it, you know exactly how they did it, but it doesn't matter because of how expertly done it is. It's 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 like it's because of what it is that makes it even better, right? It's like yeah. th- that moment, which we have talked about on this podcast. We rarely get that moment. We get some sort of half-handed version of it because yeah. either the actor can't actually do it or they didn't write it into the screenplay. We get the best version of Bob walking home with Tiny Tim. Yeah, it's very good. It's uh, and and we and Scrooge sees it. And it kicks off, like, I think, arguably the best scene in the movie. This has to be the best scene in the movie. I would. Mm, oh, I mean, there's a lot of good scenes in the movie, but this is definitely in the top three. You know, like this so is it's there's ah, there's so much. So they go inside the house. And my one of my favorite parts in here is when Gonzo has to, like, sneak in the door while it's closing to be able to maintain his narrator position. And then Rizzo says, uh, I got I fell on a hot go- on a hot goose. And Gonzo makes the joke, huh, some people get all the fun or whatever. And it's like, oh, I get what you're saying there, Gonzo. But That was always Gonzo's thing, right? Because on The Muppet Show, wasn't he always blasting himself out of a cannon? He was like a crazy stunt person. No, he's in love with chickens. Well, no, there's that too. But like the his, I feel like on the original show, he was the great Gonzo. It was like a, like a stunt thing where he was constantly doing crazy things and also in love with chickens. No, no. I feel lo- like they've retconned a little bit since then. Well, yes. Cause yes. But the, the joke is Rizzo fell onto a hot goose and Gonzo was like, some people have all the luck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just thought it was like a weird, cause there's always just like weird Gonzo things. Like that was very in the nineties. Like Gonzo just likes, likes weird stuff. Oh, oh, that's what I thought as a kid too. I didn't get that. God, that's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all throughout the movie. I, I have been talking about them. Like anytime they get somewhat near like a, a bird in this movie, they make that joke and it's subtle enough. But if you know wow. what Gonzo's thing, cause he's, he dates Camilla. That's his right. girlfriend. Right. And so like all the bird jokes are like, that's it's, it's the sneakiest innuendo jokes they get in there. And it's, it's pretty good. So this, I, you guys know up until this point that I have not, I have not deigned to say that anything in this film is like the best version of something that we've seen. Uh, but I will say this: Robin as Tiny Tim 
is the best version of Tiny Tim that we have seen on this show. Yes. He is so excited, but he's so frail. And there's this moment where, um, first of all, Kermit talks about Jesus in the scene, which I like, I'm always interested when they do adaptations like this. Like, are they going to have Bob say the, like who made Layton Becker's walk in blind men see line? Like are like is nineties Disney like bold enough to put that in here and they keep it to their credit. They keep it. Not nineties Disney, but nineties Muppets. Yeah. This is the crew that made Dark Crystal. Yeah. Like, they've got the moxie to do this. And they have the credibility to do it and pull it off. Yeah. And, John, who's the new voice actor for um, Kermit the Frog here? Uh, Kermit. So this would be when it was um, uh, Steve Whitmire. Steve Whitmire. Okay. This was his first, like, major role as Kermit. Talk about a first assignment. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, th- th- this would be hard for Jim. And I would actually be honest, I don't know if Jim would have been able to do it the same way. And I love Jim Henson, but there's something about how Steve gives Paul, like, the way he holds it here, the yeah. way he, like, the the reverence he gives to the what he's talking about, and the way he is tender with Miss Piggy, actually. Like, they actually have this real gentle relationship and I'm, and it's, I mean, I think Jim has moments throughout. Like Muppets Take Manhattan has some oh, really good moments. Like well, I not, think he could have handled. Oh, it. Uh, don't get me wrong. Jim Henson is Kermit the Frog. I'm just saying Jim had never really done something quite like this exact moment. Yeah, this is a heavy lift for Kermit. And and see, and this is amazing. He pulls it off really well. Yeah. And, and throughout the whole movie, honestly, and then and a. a an award-worthy performance as Kermit the Frog with what he had to do. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, so all that to say, so they Tim gets really excited about the goose and everything, and then he starts like coughing, and the like they sell you on this idea that this essentially a sock puppet because it's such a small puppet. There's like not a lot they can do with the body. Is this like sickly and like frail and in danger of dying if he gets overexcited, which. Right. Almost no Tiny Tim has sold me on at any point. I've, I've always always been like, no, that kid's not going to die two seconds from now. What are we talking about? But I believe that this fabric frog is on death's door. The goose, the goose line that he says, right, is just so perfect because it is it's the it's. A kid taking the joy of life, right? Like it's the season. It's it's the it's it's what the whole day is being built up around, right? Yeah. And immediately you're reminded of what's at stake here. And and again, who's watching this as should be Scrooge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really, really push Scrooge into acknowledging Tiny Tim, which I think <sighs> is pretty effective. I mean, to be fair, this is what Kermit and Miss Piggy get for interspecies breeding this way. I mean. <laughs> It's a miracle not all of their children are dying of horrible genetic diseases. Well, no, it's been no, 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 no. It's they established the rules pretty. How did simple, you get though. canceled, John? Oh, I made a comment about <laughs> John. I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you here. Okay, here's what happened. In this world, the oh god, no, we're cutting all this out, John. Just cut all this out, please, God, dude. What did you take us down this rabbit hole? Because the answer is whatever the gender of the. No, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Cut this out. Um, um, 
I'm going to keep making references to, to half frog, half pig monsters so that I have no. to keep it in the editor. It won't make sense. <laughs> it was literally all I could think at a certain point. It was like, oh, well, that actually does kind of make sense. Well, it, the rule is it's, it's a it, crime against nature. All the boy, all of Kermit's sons are are frogs and all of Miss Piggy's daughters are pigs. And is I, it like a Brady Bunch situation where there yeah. was like a previous? Yeah. OK. All right. <laughs> Dude, can we get the hell away from this version of this conversation? Like now, nobody wins here. Nothing, nothing is good. This is all. The, what you need to know, though, about this family is that they sit around the table and they love each other. Yeah. And oh yeah, mm-hmm. big time. And, that's, and going back to Frank Oz, Miss Piggy's got a lot of like a lot of stuff bringing into this performance, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. of what Miss Piggy will or won't do. And nothing that Frank chooses to do in this scene feels forced. Everything feels natural for Miss Piggy. And that's big. That's big yeah. that they can make that work. Yeah. Um, so uh, Scrooge does acknowledge in this scene that he's underpaying Bob, which is which is a nice little touch. Being and honest. then, yeah, he is. Um, and, and this leads us into this song. Oh, yeah. Bless us all. Which is which starts off as like Robin singing, so it's kind of like the the Tiny Tim's God blesses everyone is drawn out into an entire song, which I'm I'm not too proud to admit, James. Wrung wrung a little a little little tear out of my cold dead heart. Well, right before this is the the founder of the feast line, right? Mm-hmm. Like and then Kermit in the most current way possible, tries to give that speech. And of course, who's going to bump in but Mrs. Piggy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so Mrs. Piggy, you know, the founder of the feast, indeed. And it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And Kermit's just, tr- Bob is just trying to get the meal along because like, come on, honey, it's Christmas. Let's get this going. Like, we, yeah. we did all yeah. this work. Let's just like, let's let that one go. And who kind of qualishes it? Tiny Tim. Yeah. The yeah. founder of the feast. And yeah. that settles it. And yeah, then, no one can say anything about it at that point. And then he goes right into God bless us, everyone. And that does lead to this song. And this song made me weep. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Bless us all who gather here. The loving family I hold dear. No place on earth. Compares with home And every path will bring me back From where I roam Bless us all That as we live We always comfort and forgive We have so much That we can share It's very good. I think especially in like this COVID time of like like you were saying, it being complicated to visit with family and mm-hmm. like our social structure is totally falling apart because we're like moving from one variant to the other and we never know. So there's something really potent about like the the desire to be united as a family and to all be like under this blessing of the season. It's very, very, very powerful. And it's just and it's and the solos in the song really tell us about the people that are singing them. Mm-hmm. Kermit's is a little bit more hopeful and, you know, looks to the silver lining and like, but 
Mrs. Piggy has this delivery of this line and help us when we fall. And it's just, I'm going to cry now, man. Like Mrs. Piggy yeah. has a child that she is scared about losing. And she does not want to lose Tiny Tim and will hold him as close as she can and try to protect him. And it is, oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This 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 scene on its own, this is why I said it's the best scene in the movie. Because on, on its own, it almost makes me forget about the 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 little like quibbles that I have with the way that this thing plays out as a whole, because the heart of a Christmas Carol and the Cratchit family is so on display in this moment. And it also at this point, regardless of how you feel about um, Michael's performance of Scrooge, he's getting it all right, right here. He's just taking it all in and he's just watching. And like we were talking about, he's zeroed in on tiny Tim. Yeah. What what's because he knows the stakes because he's a serious guy and he's t- it's like he's taking it seriously like holy crap what's going to yeah. happen with this kid and as the song starts to end the stakes are again put on display because tiny tim can't finish this song and yeah when he starts that final verse and just coughs it out at the end there. I, I very few pieces of art can really get to me. I, I I don't know why that is. I don't like that about myself, honestly. I wish I could emote more and connect more, as they said in Sunday in the Park with George. Connect, George. Connect. I wish I could, but. You know, I'm I got I'm a guy on the spectrum. You know, and so for us, sometimes it's hard. Not everybody on the spectrum, but for some of us, it's really hard. I connect with that moment in a way that, in a way that makes me feel everything for humanity, honest and true. Like it makes me hopeful. It makes me scared. It makes me. It makes me angry. It make, it gives me all the feeling. And I just, even when I'm thinking about it right now, I can't stop myself from being like, gosh, that is beautiful art right there. And some may call it cheap. Some might say it's an obvious, you know, pulling of the heartstrings. Not when it's done this well. Not yeah. when it's done like this. This is done with a pure heart. There's a uh, a peculiar sincerity that the that <coughs> very few things can muster like the Muppets. Like even when you have like the Mickey Mouse version of this, mm-hmm. I can't I like I can't divorce like Mickey Mouse in my head from like being the symbol of just like a giant soulless corporation that's feasting off of our nostalgia for millions and millions of dollars. Whereas the Muppets, which is essentially the same thing manages to pull off the magic trick of like really making you feel because the Muppeteers are so good at bringing across that genuine sense of like life in these puppets. Well, think about the think about the Muppeteers and everybody that's worked in the Muppets Workshop and the children's children's workshop, like everybody that's been a part of what Jim Henson put together here. And that wasn't just him, but that everything he kind of had a hand in that 
is still going today. Today, maybe it won't have that same feeling. You know, yeah. maybe it is on corporate a little bit. Maybe I'm. I'm not. I don't watch everything the Muppets put out nowadays. I think some of the stuff they put out recently for like that ABC show, maybe not so much. But this group, and this is why I keep harping about. This is Jim's group. This is the people that he worked with, and they're artists. You know, to, to sound you know like beatnik as it can be, like they're they're in this because they have something to say, and they're gonna say it with 100% sincerity. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um so we get the uh you know will he live line from Scrooge and this is the one moment where the spirit pushes back on him a little and it does feel a little bit like well we have to have him do something cuz he's just he's literally just been Santa Claus the whole time like this jolly bumbling whatever. But he doesn't say it in a way that really lays it in. He just kind of says it like it's a fact. As if Scrooge has put that into reality and he's just talking about what's in the mindset of a lot of people out there and Scrooge put words to it. Yeah, he puts a little bit of stink on it, but I think you also don't get what you don't get is the shame on on Michael Caine's part for saying it. And I think that's the missing piece here. Like if he had looked really ashamed about what he said or had, had acknowledged it in some way, right? maybe it would have sold as the spirit giving him a little bit of guff, but he's more like he takes it as though it's a fact and then looks at tiny Tim like, Oh no, he's going to die. And I'm like, no, like the point of the line is he's saying the thing you said. I, 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 I get both there. I get what you're saying, but I also think Scrooge is recognizing it as his own words. And as an audience, obviously again, we've watched how many freaking versions of a Christmas Carol. So I'm already doing some of the heavy lifting here, but as a kid, I wasn't, you know, I maybe saw the Mickey Mouse version, but like you don't remember that line as a little kid unless the movie says it an hour earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Which has happened here. I, I remember yep. it. And it, it, uh, it that works line's for... not even in the Mickey Mouse version, as far as I remember. Oh, damn. Well, not there on. at all. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um, so there's a really great shot here where it like. The lights all fade except on Scrooge's face and on Tiny Tim for a mm. second. And Gonzo acknowledges it in the narration like like the scene faded, but Scrooge just kept looking at Tiny Tim. Very, very good. And we get the um, setup of, you know, the we already talked about it, that we've seen the location of the crutch, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. we, we get mm-hmm. we it's been established. It's the Chekhov's crutch spot. Like we get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the spirit in that scene had started to get like a little gray in its hair. So there's like three different heads for this ghost where it has like its red hair and then it's starting to get a little bit gray. And then in this next scene, we are in a graveyard by a church somewhere mm. and he's gone totally white. Now, see, this is where it is a missed opportunity. You could have gotten more of you could have gotten everything going downhill from Tiny Tip right yeah mm-hmm. one scene of something similar to maybe the scene in george c scott of course that's that's in the hall of fame i don't know if we're ever going to get something that great but something like the plight of the of the common people right or maybe just something of like the traveling the world and seeing the scope of the holiday right or gosh forbid we get you know ignorance and want which of course we weren't going to get right so i was going to ask about that do you think that there is a way that ignorance and want could have worked in this without um without 
overly moving the tone away from what they kind of settled on for this movie because they definitely settled on a tone that has its heavy moments but is ultimately like kind of sanitized and kid friendly do you think ignorance and want is just too heavy for kids in a muppet movie well look here's the thing they're not getting little kids out there to do it which actually well, no would they be puppets right like i feel like this is an opportunity for them to do an interesting puppet thing by having other puppets under this puppet but i don't think that's the right call i think and i think they i think that's why they didn't go that route i think ignorance and want need to be kids they need because it needs to be real because yeah. this is a real problem like you yeah. can't it's one thing to have uh peter the rabbit character shivering out in the cold right mm-hmm. that's that's one thing that's that's something that kids can grasp and understand right but it's also like he's a muppet he's not going to die in the cold because we know because he's a fun puppet and puppets right. are immortal like looney tune logic there he's yeah, going to make yeah. it through that with what they're trying with what ignorance of what is has to say you have to have it be real you have to be mm-hmm. have it be a mm-hmm. real pair of kids down there and now, do I think that would have been amazing? Do I think ignorance and want there would have worked as little kids and like make the puppet really big? Like make 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 the ghost of Christmas present grow for that. And like the darkness of his shadow. Of course, now I'm talking like huge budget Muppets Christmas Carol. Like, you know, maybe not you couldn't have done that, but like and then revealed the two. I think ignorance and want really are they're the thing that's really missing from this Ghost of Christmas present. On top of everything else, there's because uh, there's there's you need some more pushback, but that would have really helped here. Yeah, it's, it's just hard to say because I think for uh, the point of ignorance and want, right, is ignorance and want are the indictment of like the people like Scrooge who walk through the world without seeing the way that they need to be of service to their fellow man. And I think that this is a Christmas carol that is more about Scrooge has to be a nice person and stop hating himself and other people. Mm -hmm. But it's more about his like intimate relationships. It's not about his it's not the macro thing, which we see with like George C. Scott, very much a macro Scrooge, where it's like Scrooge is a stand in for a societal problem. Whereas in this version, it's like Scrooge is a stand in for individuals who are living miserable lives and need something to light the way which is kind of the that's the scrooge dichotomy we've seen it both ways and they always fall under one of those two umbrellas it's a very very thin rope that you have to tap to walk across to get this point across for scrooge and it's tough um i would say that there's still some of that macro in here some of the things we'll see uh later on connect mm-hmm. back to the beginning of uh, the sequence with uh, it feels like christmas the mice we'll get back to in mm-hmm. a second mm-hmm. um and of course the workers but <coughs> excuse me i i but I, I hear your point yeah i don't think it's i i actually don't think it's bad i just think it's the reason that ignorance and want aren't here is because this is a more um like scrooge's heart and relationships with people story not a like the 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 rich need to be taken to task because i'm charles dickens and i'm writing a metaphor for what i'm seeing in society around me story right there's just two different versions that exist and i feel like the 90s like 
it makes sense to me that that's the route that they would go in a kid's version of this in the 90s, right? Oh, that it's right. much more about like individual like healing and change or whatever. Yeah, this again, this is very much a product of its time. And I think, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we get the end of the uh, the Ghost of Christmas present here. Like I said, he, he's gone totally white and he's like kind of getting tired. He's not jovial and bouncing around anymore. Mm-hmm. And he has they kind of settle down on this bench in front of the church. And he's like, you know, my time is short when that bell rings. And then, of course, it's like Gonzo and Rizzo ringing the bell up in the church. Which, again, let's just before we get into it later. Constant quality from these two the oh, whole yeah. way through mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're not talking about every bit they're doing but they're doing great stuff all throughout the film and uh they're about to dip out because the spirit fades away in like a very 90s sparkly effect and it's uh, it's the lamest effect in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty bad um <laughs> it's just like a crossfade with a hand animated sparkle that's it rule of thumb for any aspiring filmmakers out there in the world, don't use sparkles. Just don't. Don't crossfade. It, you think of something clever, okay? Cut away. I, much more impressing would have been Scrooge hears the bell, turns, looks, turns back, gone. Like, yeah. that's... The, the, Chris, the Ghost of Christmas present is just gone. That's, in my opinion, a way more like terrifying, like the instantaneous effect of it. I don't like this idea. People give the woo to these spirits. No, I don't think it works that way. I think they're in, they're out. You yeah. know, that's that's always my interpretation. Though. Um, so we are <coughs> going to talk about the Ghost of Christmas future. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, for one last time, we're going to pay our clerk. So stick around and we'll be right back. If I stopped you half a crown for it. You'd think yourself who you is, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me you'll use if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Cheers hmm? only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. You have a crown. Thank you so overused. This is only once a year, sir. Oh, poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every twenty fifth of December. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, so soon. laughs> and, and you do frame work for ba- for, <laughs> for Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All right, and we're back. So, uh, here the we ghost go. of Christmas present. 90s faded out and a and a fog rolls in very quickly it it really comes rolling up this is and scrooge is kind of like trying to run from it and then he gets lost in it which was great because like which was funny because like like michael kane could probably have outrun this fog but not scrooge Mm -hmm. and he he's engulfed in it and it is it's very it's terrifying yeah yeah. Um, and Gonzo and Rizzo are scared, too. So they they poke their heads out the door and they're like, you're on your own with this one, folks. We're, we're not going to go here, which is a great call. It's a great call to be like the narrators are so scared they're going to dip out of the story and just let you experience it. Because it's also kind of like that unknown of the future. Right. They can't tell you a story about something if they don't know what's going to happen. It's so layered. It's so good. We don't have our POV safety net anymore. 
They've yeah. taken that away from us. This is now dangerous. Yeah. You are going into the unknown, like you're saying, and no one's here to make a joke. I mean, there's going to be some laughs, but nothing's here to like just here's the story, but we're going to make a funny little like oh, Gonzo likes chickens joke. No, we're not going to have any of that stuff. This yeah. is this is as serious as the movie gets and as dark as it gets. And whew, let's talk about this ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. So he's pretty spooky. Top 10. Um, Oh my yeah, God. yeah, yeah. He's pretty spooky. So he's tall. He's another one of these like big full body puppets. And he's very like, he's got a gray kind of wrinkled, very layered and textured robe and just an empty hollow face. I'm trying to think of an analogy for what this thing looks like. He's a statue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a statue in the graveyard. He is... Yeah. He's a weeping angel. He is this terrifying, just huge structure. And it's gray and it has that type of look to it, like concrete or mold. And it's perfect. Yeah, and- it, it has like hands like the bad guy from a really weird anime. Like <laughs> they're like blue and kind of like long, creepy, thin fingers. Uh, and uh, no, no, let's move away from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you're right john his hands are terrifying they're big they're andre the giant size but they're not like andre's hands were like thick yeah these are long yeah they're long and which gives him a great ability to emote with his fingers here as a puppeteer because mm-hmm. the pointing mm-hmm. holy crap this is some of the best pointing probably the best pointing since Oh gosh, why can't I think of his name right now? Oh, the Not... Richard Williams, that like real, real good. I like the Richard Williams. I'm thinking more of the um, oh gosh, half a crown. Uh, oh, the Alistair Sim with the yeah. hands, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's like this is some of the best handwork I've seen for the Ghost of Christmas Future. Um, yeah, <coughs> this thing's pretty cool. It's a little, a little lumbering, I think, because of like the size of it, right? It doesn't have the um. I'm trying to remember, though, because I think there's a couple scenes where it kind of like like drifts almost like it's on a on a dolly or something like that, which is very similar to what they did with the George C. Scott one. That one was very floaty. Well, you don't want foot movement with this thing. It's above that. It's above that. It's with the fog. It travels with the fog on the fog is the fog. And that's great. Also, let's talk about the score here for this ghost. It speaks for the ghost of Christmas future. When Scrooge asks it, are you the ghost of Christmas yet to come? It just has this like, boom, boom, it's like, Mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. crap's on. (laughs) Okay, like this ghost isn't playing. And it continues to be this horrifying sequence because we go right from this graveyard, right? Which like we don't like to think about that to the next setting, which I actually would say is more terrifying. We have to talk to you about how they go from one to the other because they step into the like the Doctor Who time tunnel. <laughs> like Things get real weird. Uh, it's a really great shot of them walking and everything swirls and then they're somewhere else. Like It's it's good stuff. You know, yeah, I was half expecting the master to be looking at that going mad or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, 
the the pigs from Animal Farm are in the street and they are talking about how someone's dead and they're doing the scene where the guys like Scrooge's colleagues talk about how they're not going to go to his funeral. Um, it's it's disgusting. It's as yeah. a little as a little kid. If you're ahead of Scrooge or you've already seen this and now you're playing it back in context, right? Like I can yeah. never remember. I cannot remember the first feeling where I didn't know what these guys were talking about. So I can only like, so even now, I mean, it's, I I'm can't about, imagine the person who goes into this and is like, I wonder who they're talking about. Like, I'm even talking a about kid. little, I'm ta- uh, Hey, five yeah. years old. You might, yeah, you might not yeah, know the fair. first time you're saying, okay. That's fair. But like every subsequent time, of course I knew what was, they were talking about, or I was old enough to be on point, you know, but, yeah. <clears throat> but the thing is, it's disgusting. Oh yeah, it's gross. It, it's it's like uh, they're talking about somebody who's dead, and as a kid who doesn't quite like, maybe you haven't had that experience yet. Maybe you haven't lost somebody as a little kid. If this is the first time you're hearing about people talk about death like this, it is disturbing. A little uh, little kid Jimmy thought these guys were some of the grossest things in the world. Yeah, yeah, which is very which is good. They're they're supposed to be. Um, this goes to Christmas future is like lightning fast because we go from that to uh like the the old joe place is basically right next to them um in the street i always love it when it kind of flows like that i mean maybe a little bit more time given to each scene but we've talked about different versions where like the future is more of an abstract setting Mm -hmm. i always prefer that so of course that is how this feels it feels like everything's just like layered on top of itself right it's just we know where scrooge is this is exactly what we got to do and we're getting there and old joe how do you like like pretty scuzzy (laughs) this is a pretty scuzzy old joe scene the scummiest looking muppet in the history of muppets yeah, like, he's like a spider. He's like an animal-looking spider guy, mm-hmm. um, which is fun because he's got all these arms and legs that he's like pawing through all the materials with. Right. Um, he, he's like he's like he's not quite. He could almost be in labyrinth. Yeah, like he the eyes yeah. keep him out. The eyes yeah. keep him out. But like you remember the up. Uh, you remember the the uh, the woman in the one part of the labyrinth that tries to keep Jennifer in the room with like her room with like all the toys and everything like that. And then she yeah. realized mm-hmm. that that's what I get vibes of here. Like yeah, that, it's unsettling. Like like this Muppet could have maybe done that with a little bit of a redesign, right? Holy cow, old Joe the spider terrified me as a child yeah yeah he's gross and and the voice acting in this scene <coughs> is really really good too um scrooge plays it dumb and i'm not sure i'm in love with that but i think i'm wondering if if it's just like the subtle nuance of he knows but he can't admit it and he's bargaining might be lost on an adaptation like this where you're moving through it too quickly so he's just super doesn't get it he's like oh i get it this the person here could is someone a lot like me that's this is what my life could be like and I, I'm sitting there watching like, come on, man. Come on. I didn't get that ring. I think he's totally lying to himself here. I think you're giving him a lot of cra- I think it's possible that Michael Caine thought that, but I don't think it comes through in his delivery of the line, I, especially because they don't point out any of his like specific items. Like they're very careful that he doesn't really see what they're talking about and looking at. 
So they give him a lot of leeway to like not know. And then we don't get the scene where he like goes and sees the dead body. Right. So we don't have that moment where like, yeah, exactly. That's like Luke Skywalker fighting Darth Vader and Empire at on Dagobah. Like little kid don't get understand that. Yeah. Why we why are we gonna try to like it makes sense for Empire yeah. Strikes Back, but like little kids I remember watching that scene and was like, what the hell's going on here? But that would be what would be happening here. Like yeah. that, that's clearly Scrooge, but he's standing right there. What the heck's what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But 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 I will say about the scene, while he might be a little slow on the fact like he doesn't know what's going on here. He definitely gets what's going on here. He gets like, the what the message is. Yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. terrified of that room. Like he yeah. he comes out of there and begging to be shown some warmth in the season because he's horrified by that room and he needs to get away from it as quick as possible. And he goes up to the Ghost of Christmas Future just begging to see some warmth. And yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, he got real hooked on that during the Ghost of Christmas Present. Now he needs his he, he needs his like Christmas fix. So he needs his joy of humanity fix. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> milk of human kindness. Um, I like life. <laughs> uh, so we go. To, so where where else? Uh, can you go for joy except future Bob Cratchit's house where Miss Piggy is crying and, and like Kermit is a broken frog coming back home. It's rough. And it's complete opposite of obviously of what we got earlier when yeah. uh, Belinda and Melinda, uh, the two daughters uh, greet their father at home in the first scene, they bombard him at the door, which is they're like, they're the, they're like Mrs. Piggy's like love, but she always has shown Kermit, right? Like, yeah, that's there with the daughters, like their affection. They're just all yeah. over their dad. They love it wrestling with yeah, their dad, yeah. giving hugs. Here, after the passing of Tiny Tim, spoilers, they rush. Can you imagine if that was a spoiler for someone at this point in our podcast? <laughs> How many, right, right, right. <laughs> but they don't rush over this time. They just meekly go over. They still yeah. give their mm-hmm. they still give Bob a hug at the door. But they have the line even right before that, the slow walk home. And when Miss Piggy breaks on the tiny Tim, like, oh, yeah, 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 it's tough. It's tough. And I, I will I'll, I'll say that, you know, I, I sing the praises of the George C. Scott version quite a bit. Um, this version of the scene is better than the one they did in the George C. Scott version. And the reason I say that is um, Bob basically is like, we're going to suck it up and do our best. Like that's, that's his tone in the scene. He's like, mm-hmm. sometimes people leave us children. That's the way of things, but we'll, we'll keep moving forward more. Remember, and he can't even hold it together at the end. Like he starts to get really sad at the end. Um, there's like a scene where he's describing picking a plot for Tim and he describes Tim as if he's like in the present, but then he has to change it because Tim's Tim's dead. Like there's so much going on here, but what we see is this is bad and wrong. Like it's not okay that Tim died. And I think the George C. Scott version was guilty of trying to sugarcoat it a little bit in a way that this version does not. No, 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 no. The whole vibe changes. (laughs) Scrooge basically says, this cannot be how this happens. Ghost. How can we endure this ending of the movie? Like this sucks. (laughs) Like, like this is the worst. And we get in there and it's Christmas day again. And the meal's being done. And everybody is talking about how they'll never forget tiny Tim. 
and it's heartbreaking. And then we get that pan over to the mm. crutch on the wall. And if brutal with the little reprise in the, of the score of mm-hmm. bless us all and yeah. what has been lost. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody is done. Yeah, We're yeah, all done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really getting tired of watching these beloved children's characters like uh, grieve their dead children. <laughs> Between this and the Mickey Mouse one, both of those hit really hard, and <laughs> it's kind of upsetting. It's but but that's what makes you connect with them. Like people yeah. talk about like why do people love Mickey Mouse? Why do people love Kermit the Frog? When there's Bugs Bunny out there and other characters, right? It's because of these moments. It's because these are the things that we connect to as kids, because these are how we learn. This is how we learn how if Kermit has to go through it, can I go through it? But I know I can get through it because Kermit can get through it. Mickey can, you know, like, but it's not okay. You know, like you're saying, like, it still sucks, but like Kermit is strong. Like, it's there's so much going on here with these heroes. And Kermit is a hero. And Biz Piggy is a hero in this scene. But what well, we wouldn't all give to have Tiny Tim back at that moment. You know? Sure, yeah. Um, so we move on from here to the graveyard. Right? Yeah. And he's like, uh, it's the <coughs> graveyard scene. Like, I don't know that I have much to say about it. I, I, because, I, because I think Kane's narrative arc for me has been like, he went from like zero to a hundred at the beginning and then has just been kind of hanging around in like the middle of Scrooge. So I think he manages to muster up like really strong emotion in this scene, but I don't know what it is that this scene just didn't super stick with me. I compared to other versions. I disagree completely here. I think this is <laughs> one of my favorite graveyard scenes ever. This is, this is so help you... me out. Explain why help me, help me to, to connect with this. So he knows what's on the stone. Mm-hmm. He knows. Sure. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. And which, and of course, he's arguing with the spirit of like, like a man can change their life, right? And life can be made right. And mm-hmm. he's trying to convince the ghost to give him a second chance. And he's arguing with him. Why? And it's, and it's the level that he has in the beginning, right? But this time he's using that energy that he's got, right, himself, but out of fear and want to change the world, but but not be with pride or bravado. It's just like I can't be dead. I can't be dead. I right, and he's and he's arguing, and I've all it's always just worked for me, and it worked again here. And then by the time he gets there, everything is helping out this beat. Okay, he's on his knees. There's nowhere else to go, right? First of all, we have a we have a tombstone. We don't have a we don't have a slab, right? We've got a right, full right. upright grave. First of all, just as a that's my preference for a Christmas carol. I prefer that, right? He's standing right there, snow covered. The score supporting every moment, every movement is there, and as he. Sw- wipes away the snow and clears his name and reveals his name. That is the final nail there, and he can't change it, and he breaks down. 
He can't change a damn thing. And that's why he's crying. And he's because he's like the audience. He cares that much about Tiny Tim. And he turns back and goes, oh, no. And he's and look, can you interpret it a way that is a weaker performance? Sure. But for me as a kid, when I think when, this worked amazing for me as a kid and still to this day as an adult, this is the grave scene. This is how you want to build towards it, how you want to get that snow off the tomb, and what he does right afterwards. He's right there holding on to him, begging the ghost, as always, holding on to the ghost, shaking him. And I think he does it with... He's broken. And that is really conveyed here. Like, he is just broken. I think that... So here's... Yeah, I... I, for me, it's not that his performance is is doesn't work or that the scene is not played out. Like, I think everything that's done is done exactly right. I think my issue is as a capstone to what I think is not a very strong Scrooge arc throughout the whole movie. It's like, well, there here's this scene again, right? Oh, he's crying. OK, he's grabbing onto him. Got it. Like it, it's hitting all the right beats. But for me, it's like. It's payoff for an arc that didn't happen because Scrooge has just kind of been like a nice, easygoing guy for 90 percent of this movie. Like he's had moments of like understanding and realization, but I haven't seen the struggle that it's taken to get him here. Maybe in like little moments. I just don't know. But it's again, it's not like this isn't. And I don't want to like undersell it by saying it's a kid's movie because I don't think that's fair to it. It's like definitely more than a kid's movie. But I think that the Scrooge narrative is a tricky and subtle one. And I think that it gets a little bit lost in this movie just personally. But I think that's also the result of watching like 20 different versions of it to get to this point. I I, I hear what you what you're saying, but I think what the arc they're doing here is look first ghosts. He, he's scared to death by what he sees by the Marlies, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is terrified by that. He goes into his past. He's broken at the end of that about what he has done to his life. He then sees that the thing he's been making fun of this whole time actually has some merit, right? Has some value. Then he gets revealed that you, you're not welcomed here because of who you are, Ebenezer. And then he's like, shown of course the cratchits right and something that he is having an effect on that he can't change and then of course everything else with the sequence that we just went by i i see the i see the arc there i see the journey it's worked for me it's works for me again here and i don't get to the point where he's with the ghost of christmas future and i don't feel like it's earned i feel he they've earned that beat no yeah i see what you're saying yeah. Yeah, I I I I'm having a very hard time I think like you were saying with the recency bias. Like I'm having a hard time separating out every single version that I've seen of this that I think played out the arc in a way that I found more satisfying from this version and I'm sitting here thinking if this was the only Christmas carol I had ever seen this probably would feel pretty satisfying like I probably wouldn't be thinking this hard or analyzing it this hard or if this was the version you grew up with which is my situation I had this on VHS man I watched this thing I watched this thing in the summertime like I would watch this 
whenever I wanted to. This uh, was to my, fair, my to be fair, I did too. I just think it, it wasn't the first <coughs> version I had ever seen. Mm. I think by the time I owned this, I had already seen the George C. Scott one like twenty five times, probably. Damn, Bobby. Damn. I know. I know. <laughs> wow. Well, but but here you go. It's like I think regardless though. We finally get to that moment with the ghost. He's shaking. Scrooge is shaking. It is the high point of his performance in this movie. It's It's pretty very, very. His performance in this scene is very good. It's the high point of a lot of things. The score is amazing. It just builds Mm -hmm. and builds. The ghost of Christmas future is just the statue that it's been throughout this very quick sequence. But still, this sequence. And it's like, you can't mess with it. Right. And. It just the it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and then yeah and he's back and it's the smoothest transition actually I think we have seen out of all of the uh, versions because unlike the other ones it's not a spectacle j- gimmick mm-hmm. and it's not too jarring that it doesn't feel correct like it yeah. it, it, it it's instantaneous yeah. Yeah, he goes from like one thing, he falls and he's in the other thing. Um, Yeah, and he's back. Um, He's in his room and it's Christmas morning and Mm -hmm. the the frozen bunny is back to be the kid in the street. Um, He's 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 like wandering around his room like a giddy drunken man, like all the things. He's doing all the Scrooge things. Well, he's trying now to be a Muppet in a Muppet world and he doesn't know how to do it. It's the it's this version of the I don't know how to laugh moment. Like. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm cutting in the sound here, by the way, just so you're. Like literally every time I think about the logical train that got him to that point, I'm just like, what a brave soul Patrick Stewart is. That man is fearless. That that takes guts, man. That is the and I and I will always respect that choice. You know, and I kind of love it. Like <clears throat> But we get here a really great, a really great morning sequence. We get a call back to the rabbit from earlier in the movie mm-hmm. as the uh you there boy in the yeah. street, Christmas Day. And that's that. Let's talk about a scene that is never as done as well as this. This is a great version of it. It's not like, look, there are some other beats that I like in other versions, right? Maybe the shopkeeper's interaction with some scenes, maybe some more bite to the boy, right? Giving back to Scrooge. Oh, what are you trying to say? Oh, you know, whatever. I don't know. But like here, it's just, it's perfect. It's quick. It's perfect. And and we've already emotionally invested in this bunny. Yes. Right? Because we've seen him two other times. We get this nice rule of threes where, like, he starts off hopeful, but then Scrooge is mean to him. And then he's freezing and cold, and we feel bad for him. And then he's getting money for doing this job for Scrooge, and it's great. There's a happy ending. Hey, he's immediately having an effect on the people in his life for the positive. Yeah. yeah. He, he, not only financially, but, like, he gives a compliment to the rabbit, and the rabbit is so happy. Yeah. Like just like an intelligent boy. Oh shucks, man. Like yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's cute. It's a great little scene. He gives him the money up front too, which is kind of Smart. which is kind of nice. He's like, he's like, here, take the money. You may not even do the thing I ask, and I don't care. It's 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 very different from what it, you would expect from Scrooge. Gets dressed and actually um, my opinion, best looking Scrooge we've seen in any 
version. Like his getup is fantastic. Here. Everything in this movie is just the best version of it, James. I'm very happy to be reviewing a Muppet Christmas Carol, Scrooge. All right. There's a little there's a little uh, uh, he's going to get like a little uh, addition to the wardrobe, which I think does really put it over the top. I'm, that's what I'm setting up for. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because he goes out and he's got his like all black, like very stately outfit and he goes out into the streets and um, he runs into the charity collectors again. Um, Bunsen and Beaker. Mm -hmm. And he offers them, you know, the exorbitant amount of money. I don't remember. Does he say how much or does he? No, he whispers it to them in this one. It's the he follows the golden rule, which is you never have Scrooge say the amount because I think we've had an example somewhere. Somebody did say an amount or something. I think it was the uh, Albert Albert Finney definitely did it. Um, A a few other versions we've seen have done it. You never you should never say the amount. It doesn't work for the audience because whatever is in your imagination is always going to be bigger than what they say. And, And and British currency, if you're not into it, I mean, honestly, it's it's a complicated system if you're not aware of it. Pounds and this and that. I mean, it's not complicated for the people who were using it at the time, but I'll, as complicated as any foreign currency. Yeah, it's just it's tough. And currency. so, so yeah. to keep everybody happy and to keep everybody knowing that he's giving a crap ton of money to somebody, keep it secret, keep it safe, and he, you know, he whispers the amount into uh, into Bunsen, and it is. He, and it's such he's he's taken so back that he's like, oh my. God goodness yeah almost yeah. sounding like a cdi zelda character like i wish there was something that we could give to you and <laughs> beaker who i'm gonna i'm gonna defend beaker for a second here i get it current kids of the world beaker is terrifying <laughs> all right i got nephews and nieces who are terrified by beaker i understand it he's a little weird looking but in this moment Beaker just gives his scarf to Scrooge in such a beautiful way that like he can do no wrong to me. Like yeah, Be- Beaker's yeah. the Beaker's the best. Like Beaker's a, Beaker's always a pure soul. I feel right, like right, yeah. and like it's this beautiful little red scarf that's like almost too big on him, but just the right size for Scrooge and. And Scroo- it's a little small for Scrooge, but it kind of I like that fact that it's like obviously a Muppet scarf and he's just like, I don't care. I'm going to no, wear it. It completes the best look a Scrooge has ever had in the final part of this story ever. <laughs> Seal of approval, double stamped, not quite the Hall of Fame. Won't bring that one into it, but it's an amazing outfit, John. And he's 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 complete at that moment because. Yeah. The look on his face when he receives that gift. Well, it's like his first Christmas gift. Yeah. Probably, he, maybe not his first, because he did work for Fezziwig. But, like, the first one he's received in his adult life, certainly. After being Ebenezer Scrooge, Mr. Humbug. Yeah. Be, after knowing what he's been talked about behind his back. Remember in the first scene where he was, like, he, he was making jokes with Bob? He didn't know people really were thinking bad about him. Or if he did, he, you know, would humbug it and whatever. He's been shown how bad he was and how people think about him. And he gets a gift that he didn't even ask for. And it, it almost breaks him. Yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas. 50 times. And it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. a beautiful moment. Um, and then he sings uh, I Like Life. 
uh, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> no, no. You give this song the respect it deserves. It listen, is not- it's the same scene. It's He's going through the streets and he's being followed by everybody who he saw throughout the whole story. And then he goes to the toy shop and he's giving people gifts. And then he ends up at Bob Cratchit's house. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But it is way better of a song. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. I, it's a much better song. And he goes around and he goes back to people that we've seen him interact with either in his memories or in the previous opening scene. Like he goes back and he visits um, Sam the Eagle, who was his teacher. Oh, yeah. And, and Fozzie Wig. And, and they're Fozzie like in the Wig. old folks home. <laughs> right. And there's some great jokes here. Fozzie Wig is hard of hearing and he's got one of those big horns yeah, to his listen ear trumpet, to. Yeah. His ear trumpet. So he leans the present that he got from Scrooge against the ear trumpet and shakes it to try to hear what's inside of it. And it's just like this little like little touch of something like that. Like he's trying to reconnect with the people in his life. He goes yeah. to the mice. He gives the mice a present. He yeah, travels. A little, little cheese. little cheese. And it's it's. It's he leaves. A, he leaves all the coal for his bookkeepers, and he and he, and the and the lyrics of this song. Well, yes, it's 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 a simple song, but the lyrics are like, you gotta hold on to the season, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta connect back to it and make it last all year, and that's the point. And and it works really well. And yes, it's generic. It's it's exactly what you're it is doing trying the same thing that the other version was doing. Well, no, I'm but saying I, all, like it, visually it's just when you watch it it's like this is very similar to I like life. But this the song itself I actually think is very good. Um god bless Michael Caine. He's really not a singer. No. Like, he, he really tries though. Like he puts his heart into it, but it's just not no. very good. Heart with an endless joy, with a growing family, every girl and boy will be nephew and niece to me. Nephew and niece to me will bring love, hope, and peace to me. Love, hope, and peace to me. Yes, and every night will end, and every day will start with a grateful prayer and a thankful heart. Life is like a journey. And oh, like, that's rough. That but, was rough. But but I don't care because what he's saying and what he's communicating there, he owns. And it, you know, dun 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 dun. dun. Like if, if I do, I believe that if somebody actually could sing that song, it would make it soar a little bit more. I won't lie. Yeah, yeah. But you ask him to sing one song, he gets through it, and it's it's a pretty good performance. So that's interesting because I I really like the idea of. In a musical of A Christmas Carol, the only song that Scrooge sings is the one at the end when he's finally accepted the spirit of the season that he can sing, right? But but depending on which version you watch, he Mm -hmm. does sing earlier. And I was thinking like, oh, it's like disappointing that he sings in that other song too. But that's also his like other moment of being most connected to humanity. So there's like a little through line there from that moment that really broke him when Belle left him, which in this version is the thing. Love. Yeah. Love. And with what we'll get to in the next song, this is about love and the love and I and the love that that he didn't have in his life and the love that he is. Well, I don't want to say the title of it because we're about to get there. But yeah, this song. Great. Yeah. Um, This is my last complaint. But they <laughs> have but been, they, ca- but have they we been counting. Have we been counting? 
<laughs> this is this is weirdly, I think, our most divisive version of this, which is fascinating to me that it's that this is the one we landed on. But but like Fred gets like two seconds in this song, no dialogue, no like no reconciliation. And I'm like, well, he was really kind of a jerk earlier. So I guess it makes sense. It was a mask. <laughs> it was a mask off moment. Fred yeah. it was Fred was just being a jerk about his uncle. And so he's like, all right, I'm just going to shock him. I'm just going to come in. Here's two presents. Boom. Hi, hi, bye, bye. I'm out. Because I want to go hang out with the cool family. Who are the yeah. cool family? The Cratchit. We're going to the Cratchit house. This is a very good, if you're going to do Scrooge shows up at the Cratchit house, this is quite good. This is a very good version of that. This is why I always feel like this is, because this, the Mickey Mouse, and a few other versions, this is why I always feel like this is where you end the story. Because you put Tiny Tim right there, you put the whole family there, right, with Bob, and you get some really great stuff out of it. There is just something I love, though, about the the last scene between Bob and Scrooge where you like a like a palimpsest you just end the whole thing where it started right but you've shifted the dynamics around so it's like the scene between Scrooge and, and Bob at the beginning is the first indicator of how bad this dude is and he he's his best moment as a reformed man is when he is kind to Bob and like I really love that but in this version where he goes to the Cratchit house, it is also very good. It is amazing. And what we get here is the whole town. Because Scrooge can afford a feast for the whole town, right? Like, sure. Let's get some extra food and wine, everybody. We all know about the Bob Cratchit family, right? Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to surprise him, all right? Let's get off here. So they all come with him and the rabbit. And the rabbit's got the big turkey, right? And at the end of the song, bum, 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 boom. Everyone's like, okay, let's go. Ready for surprise. Go hide over there. And he's they're outside the Cratchit's house and he knocks on the door, Bob Cratchit, and the rabbit's still standing there. He's like, get out the way, get out the way, we gotta surprise him. And he's just so <laughs> playful with it. It's so funny. But he puts on the act. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It he knows how he, he can do an act. He gets yeah. like he he's seen how he was. And Kermit comes to the door in the meekest, scaredest way. <laughs> Ever. As only Kermit the Frog can do. Oh, oh, it's amazing. And it's like he's just that little, but, 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 you did give me the day off, sir. Me? Ebenezer Scrooge, give the day off, right? And like, he's like, would I do something like that? And on the other side of the door, just building up with rage. This is the thing that makes it work for me. It's Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy just makes everything better. Right. And she's there and she's so like, this guy shows up to my house on Christmas Day. Nope. I, I got I got a tiny Tim to worry about. I got a goose that's really good in the freaking oven. And I'll tell you this, Mr. Scrooge. And just starts. Yeah, she's me- about to deck him. It's great. Oh, I'll give you one. And she gets, she gets the mis- I'm about to lift him right off the pavement. Right? And- that, by the way, the Miss Piggy wind-up, one of the greatest wind-ups oh, yeah, ever. Yeah, that yeah. little, oh, you can't, it's a podcast, you mean, I can't physically do the wind-up, but you, yeah. you've you seen it, friends. Yeah, and, it sells so well for a and, puppet. And therefore, and therefore, and then, of course, I'm about to raise your salary, right? And everyone's like, what? <laughs> and Michael Caine has this amazing little smile on his face. Miss, would you let us in 
for a little Christmas dinner. Merry Christmas. And like just has that little smile. And it's genuine and real. And like everyone's shocked by it. He's going to pay off Bob's mortgage, which uh, is possibly the nicest thing that a Scrooge has ever done. Even above, I would say, making Mickey Mouse partner in that one version. Like it's a back payment. If he yeah. realizes that all the work Bob's been doing. I mean, going back, he he's been keeping the staff happy and around. Which, by the way, another thing Scrooge does is he puts coal. He gives coal to all the workers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like he's like he's saying, "You have done so much for me. I'm gonna do this. I can afford to do this." And then they all get together for a beautiful beautiful christmas uh dinner by the way let's talk about the fact that gonzo and rizzo the rat return at this sequence they're they're back yes Mm -hmm. they came back they're with us they help narrate the rest of the of the uh part of this movie and it's a wonderful like everything's gonna be okay yeah like it's a wonderful it really does feel that way when they come back you're like okay we're good yeah how long was that? Only 10 minutes, but that was terrifying. Okay. Yeah. Like it's not even that long. It's pretty quick. Uh, Ghost of Christmas future, but they're back and they're here and he, they're here to say after that beautiful moment at the door, well, Scrooge was better than his word and he goes mm-hmm. into it. And yeah. And tiny Tim who did not die. And ah! very exciting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Rizzo yeah. just a little happy there. And like, and they, and it all, you know, as tiny Tim observes, God bless us. And then Scrooge finishes the line. Mm-hmm. God bless us, everyone. And then they sing a reprise of when love is gone, but it's the love we found, which doesn't make any sense if you had the version where that was cut. But that's what was needed in Scrooge's life. He need, yeah. he, he shut himself off to that possibility and he needed to make the world. a. He needs to contribute to society. But he needs to also be open to the people around him, Fred, maybe, but definitely Bob and mm-hmm. Bob's family. And he's Fred found- is there, but Fred's wife is not, which I think is really interesting. I, I caught that too. I was like, "What? Did she just not want to shoot that day?" But whatever. Um, they couldn't. They probably just couldn't fit another human being in with all the Muppets. How? Let's so let's set the scene. Scrooge, Tiny Tim, Miss Piggy, and Kermit at the end of a table. Beautiful feast in the middle, very hook esque, if you know what I mean. Um, and then at, we pan out from the front of the ta- that top of the table to like all the Muppets, <laughs> like all the Muppets just sitting around the table. We pan out through the door and just throughout London, and it's like. Oh, I guess everybody showed up to this feast today. Yeah, yeah. Scrooge is paying out free meals. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's fair. It's it's an amazing capper to this movie, and another reason why you need to keep that song in the, yeah in the piece. It definitely hurts the ending a little bit if you don't have it because it it's <coughs> not the callback that shows how the situation has changed. Right. It's just one more song that like. Right. If you're not including uh, the love. It's kind of like at the end of Little Shop of Horrors when Seymour and, and Audrey saying we'll have tomorrow when they're part of the plant. But that song's not in the show. So no one knows what that line means. <laughs> so then we pan out over over the rooftops of, of this model of London and we kick back into the, the Ghost of Christmas Presents song. Yep. Um, which I guess is like makes sense. That's probably the most like upbeat 
It's either that or we have to listen to Michael Caine sing again. And I don't think anyone wanted that. No, I mean, going back real quick, though, I just want to say one last thing about the song there. If you do, if you cut the Love is Lost song, then the song should be Bless Us All. It should be a reprise of Bless Us All. That is correct. Yes. But because it's not that way and they already wrote the piece with the intention of having the Love is Lost. Well, then we're screwed. But yeah, yeah. we pan not, out. Not that. I mean, it still works, but it definitely. It, it makes something. more sense if you have it. Yeah, it loses something there. And uh, and I think that's for the people. I don't know. I think it, that's a big factor for the people that do praise this as something growing up with that connection. I think that's a big factor. And yeah. we end with Rizzo and Gonzo making a little joke at the end of it where Rizzo gives him a compliment and he goes, uh, great story, Mr. Dickinson. Thanks. If you like this, you should try the novel. Which is a good, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's good for two reasons. One, it's a funny joke. And two, it, the novel is a little bit more rich there. It's a little bigger. And yeah. I think it answers your complaints, John. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> Look at that. They solved it. They solved all my problems. They, they John proofed it. <laughs> Imagine if every adaptation ever just threw a line in at the end that was like, well, if you liked this, try the original. And then that was just there. They're like, well, we don't have to make it good because we put that line in. You can just go read the book. Or like the beginning of Braveheart where the guy's like, all right, some people are going to say this is not historically accurate and they're going to call me a liar, but believe the legends, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, All the history man. of Braveheart is not accurate. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a mess. Um, Ooh, beautiful battle scene. Oh, pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Oh, pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day in the morning. And that's the end of uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Good movie. Really good movie. So, James, I have some questions for you. <laughs> yeah. It is time. What, out of all of the things in this that are the best version that was ever done, is getting your Christmas turkey? Damn you. Damn you. Um, I could say the intro to Ebenezer Scrooge. I could say the... I, I, the production design, even though it's not realistic, I could say that. I could say Michael Caine. No, I couldn't say Michael Caine, but he does give a great performance. But what I will say is the answer, in my opinion. Bob Cratchit, Kermit the mm. Frog. I think what he does in this, he's the heart and soul of this version of a Muppet's Christmas Carol. He's the Muppet. He gets top billing in this, as he should. Everything that I mean, re- you can make your arguments about Scrooge's arc in this, and that's I differ with that. I have my own interpretation of it. You can't argue with what Bob's doing here. Every no. everything no, Bob, dynamite. everything Kermit does is Bob Cratchit from interacting with his coworkers at the um <coughs> at Scrooge's place of business to the scene where they're cleaning up and on the street. One more sleep till Christmas and. And then he's out of the movie for a long time and then comes back then for that amazing shot of him and Tiny Tim and by extension, everything he does with his family. And again, this is the first time that Kermit was done 
without Jim Henson in a big way, in a big, bad way. And it was, think about that. Think about what that has to be done. The man you worked with, the man you probably looked up to, the man you probably learned from, and now you've got to fill his puppet, your hands, where he was, and your voice. And he did it. And he knocked it out the park. It was an amazing performance. My my favorite Kermit the Frog performance, honestly. And I think it gets my uh, Christmas uh, turkey. But John, what gets your Christmas turkey? Man, we're we're so close with this. Because my Christmas turkey is going to go to Robin the Frog as Tiny Tim. Mm -hmm. Because I think that Kermit as Bob is such a gimme. Definitely. But this is the first time that I have watched a Tiny Tim and thought, I believe that that is a frail, sick kid. Mm -hmm. Including the Guy Pierce version, including the George C. Scott version, including the one where he's got hypothermia because Scrooge threw water on his head in the middle of December. This is the first one where I watched it and I was like, I believe it. I believe the frailty and I believe the feelings around it. And it made a lot of things that for me were were kind of just perfectly serviceable in this movie feel much more weighty. Like I really bought it. So Robin as uh, Tiny Tim gets my Christmas turkey. It's a, I, that was definitely one of my options there because that's. I, I mean. Like when Mickey Mouse, again, another example of this, you will cry with Robin as Tiny Tim. And I did. And it was amazing. Yeah. Now it is time. It's time to kill our darlings. What is going to get a lump of coal for this version of A Christmas Carol for you? All right. Um, I understand your complaints about Scrooge in this. and. I'm going to let that go because I don't agree with it as much. I, I It doesn't hurt me as much as it seems to hurt you. <laughs> but if I'm being honest, my biggest complaint with this would probably be some of... No, not even that. I'm really trying here, John. I'm like, I'm trying because I'm not trying to say that it's perfect because this isn't perfect. This isn't perfect, but it does come pretty close. I will say that it, yeah, for what it's trying to do. But I guess, I guess the thing that I don't like in this, okay, I'm not going to cheat and say the cutting of the love is lost because that's not fair to do that. Okay. But what I will say is I think the, lack of time given to the ghost of christmas present and the and i think the ghost of christmas present is probably the weakest of all the ghosts so i would have to go with that one and i love the ghost of christmas present but could have been so much more could have been given a little bit more bite could have been given a little bit more to do could have been given some more banter with scrooge you could have maybe the song is probably the weakest of all the songs that are actually in the movie like, so, like, I'd have to give it to the Ghost of Christmas present, and I still like the Ghost of Christmas present. So, that's my, uh, that's the game, my coal. But, John, what did I get to your coal? Let me get my list here. Uh, no. 
I really so I I feel like I said this in the last episode and I'm saying it here again. My I don't dislike this movie and I don't think it's even in the same universe as being a bad movie. It's a legitimately great movie. My my gatekeeping is about I think the general perception that this movie is like the definitive version of a Christmas carol, which is a thing I see people say unironically every time around this year and I always want to be like is it though? So I think my lump of coal. Dang. I'm going to give my lump of coal to the the 180 of Michael Caine. I think Michael Caine is so good in this movie and such a good choice for Scrooge. And he does so many things right. But I think that they turn him just a bit too quickly. And I miss him being a little bit more of a jerk early on when he starts off so strong. Mm. And that's a tiny little lump of coal because you've really sold me, I think, on like an arc for this character that I think does make sense compared to like how I was perceiving it. Mm -hmm. I think I just would have liked to have seen some of the Scrooge he is at the beginning threaded through in the rest of his performance, a little bit more pushback, a little bit more annoyance, like with the situation that he finds himself in, even if it's ghosts and it's scary and it's bringing up strong emotions, like strong emotions coming up for people pushes them into their negative behaviors until they learn to to heal and deal with it right so i would have liked to have seen some anger at the ghost of christmas past right after that song or some anger at the ghost of christmas present for like forgetting things or whatever it is like something to remind me of what a terrible person he was because by the time you get to the ghost of christmas present you'd be forgiven for forgetting that he's supposed to be a terrible person Mm. except that people keep saying it but you're not seeing it in any of his behavior compared to other scrooges we've seen who need a little bit more help like pulling themselves out of the rut but honestly that's a pretty minor complaint for this very, very, very strong, like top five version of a Christmas Carol. Yep. <laughs> I hear I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Would I want there to be a some more of that stuff in there? Of course. But I think for what this version is trying to do and uh, and what it achieves, I don't think it's that big of a sin. Yeah, no. No, I don't either. I, I think that his performance is strong enough that it kind of it doesn't allow that to become an like a thing that weighs it down. This is literally me speaking as someone who's watched this year like 12 different versions of A Christmas Carol. And I have that to immediately compare mm. between every single one, like all these nuances, which if I were just viewing this for fun, I don't think I would think about it. I'd just right. be like, yeah, it's Scrooge. That's the thing. Whew. All right. Um, is this going to be in your Christmas future or do you think you're putting it in your Christmas past? Well, it will be in my Christmas future with a caveat. I will not watch this again until the Disney Plus version re-releases in beautiful 4K, HK, I don't know, K. I want I want this to be given back the song it needs. I need the Love is Lost added back into the actual version on YouTube, on, sorry, on Disney Plus. That needs to be theatri- officially re-released. Yeah. And then I will watch this again every Christmas. But 
it breaks my heart every time I want to go watch this that I have to do some sort of weird musical chairs type of deal where like I get up and I move from one seat to the other and I'm never sure where I'm going to land because it's, I feel like I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do. Disney, please re-release the VHS cut in beautiful HD. You know, it, it's, it's possible. The footage has been found. Put this back together and it will be in my uh it will be in my future. John, will this be in your Christmas future? No, I hate it and it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> this is 100% going to be in my Christmas future. Absolutely my Christmas future. I think that while I may take umbrage with the idea that it's the definitive version of a Christmas carol, it is certainly the definitive like family friendly adaptation because it manages to be like family appropriate while not really pulling punches where it really matters. Right. Right. Um, and I think that that can't be said for many versions of the story that may be aimed at children, right? <laughs> Which are either too heady and then try to distract you with silly nonsense or are just like a little bit too short and sweet to maybe be like a full picture of what the story can be. Um, it's absolutely like one of the greats. Yeah. I, I, it's in my top three, actually. And um, it's not, look, it's not the best version of A Christmas Carol. That is something else. That is something like a George C. Scott, right? But, like I've been saying, for what's trying to achieve, what's for what's setting out to do, can't be beat. Yeah. Well, that's that. Oh, my gosh. You feel that? Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> we done did it. We got through it. So, uh, and and not to say that obviously we'll be coming we'll be coming back to this, but uh But this this this, this there is a before and after this moment, John. Let's just take a second. Let's just just take a second everybody. Really. Like this is this is the end of this for a moment. And that there's something a little sad about that. But there's also something kind of beautiful about that. How many podcasts just never have this type of moment right now? You never know what's going on. You, we all get to share this right now. We get to share this change and are aware of it. It's not going to be a shock. And it's. I feel like I feel like Captain Kirk a little bit at the end of uh, Wrath of Khan. You know, I, I'm looking at the uh, Genesis effect. In, happening through the screen and i feel young i'm i'm excited i'm really excited john and i but i'm sad at the same time because this has been a wonderful part of my life for the past year yeah yeah i've enjoyed it quite a bit i've been thinking about this moment a lot knowing that we were going to wrap up you know at least what we call season one Right. That this may be something that we come back to throughout the year um, and that we're going to move on to something new. And I'm going to have to like kind of figure out like a. uh, uh, An approach to that new thing in terms of editing and and style and stuff, and it's just been definitely been bittersweet. I'm definitely going to miss this. I'm very excited about our next thing, but I'm going to miss this. This this was something that. You know, you go back and listen to the earlier episodes. And I and I can't even do it, honestly. Like, I can't even listen to anything pre, like, I don't know, Seymour Hicks or something like that. Like, 
Like, I don't like the novella episodes. I can't even go back and listen to like, I don't know what we were doing, but we're here a year later and almost exactly a year. Yeah. And it's kind of terrifying (laughs) and yet comforting to know, like, we set out to do a thing. We did that thing and we're better at this medium now than we were a year ago and ready for honestly a project that I hope people join us for, because I think it's going to be something, something that is going to, I don't know. I I don't know how to say it except for that. This is something that I feel like we've been destined to do. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) I'm not, but I'm not saying it without knowing that like, We've been building up to what this next project has been yeah. for a long time. I and I I will say this, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to talk here about what that project is and, and explain it a little bit. I don't think that it's something that nobody has done. In fact, I'm certain that it's it's something that others have done before us, and we don't anticipate doing this uh, upcoming podcast to. Um, try to supplant people or be the best at it, even it's just we want to put our take on this thing out into the universe. Right. We've, we, when I say we are destined to do this, this is something that you and me have always wanted to do something like this. And we've been even unknowingly building up to it. Yeah. And certainly, and and now all the points are coming to a head and we are ready to begin this next step of our lives. But a big part of where we've been is this podcast. Yeah. And I think acknowledging acknowledging the importance of what we have done here is something that uh, it's starting to really, at this moment itself, like lay into me. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this thing was such a part of our journey. And it's now kind of, the book is being closed and put back on the shelf, but it's still yeah. there. Maybe we'll open it back up in July. Yeah, you never know. So, Jimmy, do you should we talk about what we're going to be doing next? John, I think we should. Folks, buckle up. What's our next podcast, John? So, uh, we those of you who follow us on Twitter and Facebook actually already know this because I, I put up a post about it kind of explaining what the project is. But those of you who don't. Jimmy and I are going to be starting a new podcast and I'll be posting a link um, and a trailer here um, as well as the first episode I'll be posting in this feed so that you'll be able to kind of hear what it's going to be. Um, This project is called Frodo Lives and Frodo Lives is going to be a book club style Lord of the Rings podcast. So what we're going to be doing is each week or every couple weeks, depending on our schedule, James and I are going to read a chapter of the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to come to the pod and we're going to talk about what we read in that chapter, right? Discuss it, talk about what happens. um, Talk about, you know, like the things that came up in that chapter, the characters that were introduced, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
what we are then going to do is move into a section where we're going to dig into things like the Silmarillion and the Book of Lost Tales and the history of Middle Earth and all of these kind of supplemental texts that exist around the Lord of the Rings that were written by Tolkien in different pieces, edited by Christopher Tolkien. And we're going to talk about like if a character appears or is referenced in a chapter of Lord of the Rings, we're going to go into all of these other texts to kind of dig out who is that character and where do they come from and what is this place that they reference so we want it to sort of become like a a way for us to build our knowledge of of tolkien's world because james and i i would say jimmy we're we're pretty big tolkien nerds but i would say not necessarily at like the encyclopedic level that a lot of other people in the fandom are look i've read the silmarillion i don't remember the silmarillion as well as i should because it's the silmarillion but like we we've we we are well versed with like the actual like the the nerd like like what gandalf really is for an example we won't go into it right now but like we know what gandalf actually is supposed to be and like where he comes from we know the world that was there in the lord of the rings that goes far back we get and we understand what we know enough to know that when we are going to go back and reread these chapters, because we both have read Lord of the Rings, of course. But now when we go back, we're going to do, like John said, the first section will be like, a if you've never read it, you can enjoy that first section of the podcast. But then the second half, let's talk about, okay, so we all got some knowledge here about Lord of the Rings. What does that mean in the lore? What does that say over there? What... What was Tolkien really trying to communicate by including that character? What is a Tom Bombardil? Like all these things are going to be, we're going to talk about, and it's going to be, I'm really excited because I love Lord of the Rings. John loves Lord of the Rings, but I think this is only going to enhance our love and appreciation for what Tolkien has made. Yeah. Yeah, I went back and forth a long time because, again, I know that there are other people who have done this this podcast of reading through the book, talking about it in this way. Um, but I, I, I'm just looking forward to it as an exercise for us in really developing our understanding of that world, which I think for both of us is a really meaningful piece of literature in our lives. We, we came of age. You know, I was I was 13, 14 when I discovered Tolkien. And of course, the Lord of the Rings movies came out. Right. So like these were a huge part of my uh, my transition from, you know, a child to, you know, a young man. And like th- this is a big part of my life here. And I think that's part of a lot of people's journeys of this generation. So maybe for that, for people like us to one more time, go through it and look at it, but also for new readers who maybe want to have an opportunity to just like, does anybody else want to talk about what happened in chapter two? Like, like that type of stuff. Like we'll be there to be like, yeah, this is really cool. That's a cool thing here. And we're going to get to geek out with you friends. It's going to be a one of wonderful journey. Yeah, we do hope for this to be something that has a degree of audience participation. So uh, we encourage you if if you're a person who has read Lord of the Rings before or you've never read Lord of the Rings or you're just would look for any excuse to read it again. um, If you could read along with us and send in your thoughts, we will happily kind of bring them up and discuss them because um, we want this to be something that people can 
listen to as they're going through the book and like enjoy each week kind of expecting us to have that dialogue about what's going on and maybe enhance our understanding a little bit together. So feel free to participate. I'll be posting information about that as well um, on, on our Twitter feed and on the Twitter feed that I have set up for the for the Frodo Lives cast as well. And uh, with that as well, we'll have some funny stuff in there. We're going to have some, we got some ideas for things like um, casting carols and other things like that. We've got ideas percolating in the brain here. So there's going to be kind of some similar stuff from this podcast to that podcast. And I'm just, I can't wait to start this journey. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. Um, So James, what are we reading next week? We are reading... The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Book One, Chapter One, A Long Expected Party. That's right. That is right. That um, was all off the top of my head. I didn't need to look it up. That was beautiful. I was like, he's got it. He's got it. He's got the whole thing. We are ready for this show. Um, some big special thank yous. Thank you, obviously, to Ben DeVries, who... who uh, delivered the score for this uh show and i will sorely miss editing that song into this podcast every it was week. A, it was the soul of this podcast in a lot of ways honestly like the music that people talk about it music and, and connection with the soul right that was here that was every time i heard that tune we were just off and this podcast was amazing yeah um, so, so big thank you there, obviously. Um, thank you to Milo Newman for, for our cover art, like equally important to this process. It was so nice to have a good piece of cover art. Did, did anybody ever catch the Easter egg on the cover? Uh, like the little detail in there? That's um, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. So the cover is Scrooge walking, right? He's walking in the, in the foreground. In the background, underneath the sign, walking away from Scrooge is Tiny Tim. Oh yeah, and it, and I just I want to like I don't think we've ever talked about how cool that is. Like he's got his back turned to Tiny Tim in that moment. Like that's such a great little detail. And another reason why Milo Newman is one of the best artists going today. Oh yeah, if you are not reading his web comic, which is like forty three pages in at this point, it it is stunning. I mean, it's really truly one of the the most visually appealing and and interestingly researched pieces of work i am biased he is my brother but uh i have i knew him when he was in like the initial planning stages of this thing i know a lot about what i think is going to happen in this comic y'all need to do yourself a favor and go read it Uh, that's all i'm gonna say because it's wild stuff milo is an amazing artist um so has such a unique vision uh, his art does his it just this wonderful look but also it's got it has this feel to it that feels new and familiar at the same time and i just i love his artwork and i love his storytelling and i cannot wait to maybe work on other things in the future with milo but thank you so much for the artwork you provided to this podcast. Yes. Yeah. He's he's a he's a, a big uh Lord of the Rings nerd too. So I'm I am very certain that he will be on this show at some point. Um thank you to Zane and the folks at That's Not Canon Productions for uh bringing us on. It was pretty wild to be invited into a podcast collective on our like our very first podcast out the gate. Um we a- appreciate that partnership and we're looking forward to continuing to keep Jacob Marley um uh in in partnership with that's not canon 
they made us made men. We were we were just uh, some schlubs doing this, and we're still some schlubs doing this. But at least we were, you know, it felt good, and it's a nice thing to be welcomed into that community. So thank you, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Jacob Marley always being a part of this community. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the biggest thank you of all to the listeners, um, to the people who tweeted at us, to the people who reviewed us, um, to, you know, friends that we know and and friends who we've made through the process somewhere out there. Um, it, it, it with a project like this, where we never really put this, this is this was not like a plan for us to make a profit. This is something that kept us connected during the pandemic, something we thought would be fun, something we're both interested in. And it was just really gratifying to see that people were enjoying it. Um, and we hope that you'll, you know, stick with us, even though we won't be doing this show, you know, as as frequently. Um, we hope you'll come along with us on Frodo Lives, um, even if Lord of the Rings isn't your thing. If you enjoy us, you know, I, I'm sure that we'll be able to bring some some joy to you through that. Um, yep. And we just really, really appreciate everyone who listened to this show. For everybody that wrote a really funny review, to everybody that just gave this thing a chance, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man. And that's all I think that I've got. So... Jacob Marley is dead season one in the bag. Um, and until we, we bring him back to torment Scrooge again, as tiny Tim observed. God bless us. Everyone. I saw three ships come sailing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. What was in those ships, all three, on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, and what was in those ships all three on Christmas Day in the morning The Virgin Mary and Christ were there on Christmas Day on Christmas Day The Virgin Mary and Christ were there on Christmas Day in the morning Oh pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day on Christmas Day Oh pray with it sail those ships all three on Christmas Day in the morning
gallery on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And all the bells on earth shall ring on Christmas Day in the morning. And all the angels to heaven shall sing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And all the angels in heaven shall sing on Christmas Day in the morning. And all the souls on earth shall sing on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And all these souls on earth shall sing on Christmas Day in the morning. Then let us all rejoice again on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Then let us all rejoice again on Christmas Day in the morning. Come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.